Haini, pee haini, pee haini, pee. Wajani wina, jankishna, hini karagiwina. Hanachni pee, harajarawi, pee, waunangshana. Good morning and greetings from the land of 11 nations, or as everyone else calls it, Wisconsin. I want to take a quick second and say thank you to everyone who spends a couple of minutes out of their busy day listening to this podcast. Our goal is simply to improve the functioning of our Ho-Chunk Nation's government by informing the nation of news that is occurring within our nation and shaping direction of our government by initiating conversations amongst ourselves concerning finances, our constitution, and our future. Lofty goals indeed. Um, If you'd like to participate by being on the podcast, or if you'd just like to share your thoughts and ideas, we'd love to hear from you. We can be reached at moneycuckseek at gmail.com, or you can reach us on the Chipotake Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Remember, this whole endeavor works a whole lot better if you, the whole chunk nation, actively participate. Um, one of the biggest problems we face as a nation is our failure to participate in the governing of ourselves. I don't think it's apathy. I think it's more of a cultural thing. We don't want to stand out. We don't want to present ourselves as being better than our brethren. We practice humility even in our politics. And it's here that we're kind of taken advantage of. Those that do choose to lead sometimes fail us out of ignorance or greed. They find themselves in situations that don't have the education nor the training. Decisions are made, and if they're the wrong ones, our people close to our elected officials find themselves with an influx of funds. People are offended and they see their government failing them. I see more and more of us participating in local, state, and national politics, but for some reason are reticent to do so within our own nation. I understand this is basically because we are of one political thought, and to work outside of our nation, outside of our family, affords a certain amount of uh, leeway in what we say and how we act. But one thing I'd like to point out is that our government is a fairly new construct. It sits outside of our cultural upbringing. Criticize, but being polite and respectful is almost a requirement for this type of government. Challenging one political's leadership is the correctness, as to the correctness of their actions is not only accepted, but is demanded. To give political leaders a blank check and then stand by and hope for the best is political suicide. Now, I don't mean to stand up and tell everyone they suck. Sure, that's participating, but that's not really helping. Ask your legislature or director of a program why this particular course of action was chosen and wait for a response. If their answer fails the smell test, tell the official or ask or me uh, why that answer stinks. And then offer a different course of action. Just like this politician, just like this podcast, you don't have to agree with anything I say, but please voice your thoughts and opinions. Participate. That is the big thing with us, the participation. Of course, this all supposes that our elected officials are up for a debate on their decisions and actions. It's a little hard to attend meetings when elected officials make their decisions in executive session or simply stonewall their constituency at area meetings and run out the clock. Of course, this will be a little more difficult now that our area meetings are beginning to be in person again. I go back to the campaign of all our legislators and presidents when they campaigned on helping our people. 
transparency and open debate are the cornerstone of democracies. If, if this is our wish, then we'll take both the Ho-Chunk constituency and our elected officials working together to make this happen. I'd like to spend a couple of seconds and address the recent gaming ordinance that our legislature tried to quietly slip through. This gaming ordinance is terrible for casino workers and our casinos. But it's a boon for legislators and gaming commissioners as they can now take more personal control of the workers. The first thing I'd like to ask is, where are all the complaints from the casino workers that forced forced our legislature, gaming commission, and attorneys to spend hours upon hours drafting this new ordinance. What parts of the ordinance were so onerous that they forced our legislature to take action? I failed to hear of the committee, the work group, the commission, the task force, the delegation, or the agency that was assigned to study and address this issue. Now, I'm not going to lie. There's a lot that goes on in the nation's government up in Black River Falls that I'm not privy to. So, to be honest, it could have happened. But happened it did because it was presented to the nation and the president's office just made it to the deadline, beat the deadline when it vetoed the ordinance. I just want to take, hit a couple of points and I do want everyone to take a look at the new proposed gaming ordinance offered by the legislature. Gaming commission and the attorneys. And have your legislators explain why they feel this is a good, uh, this is good legislation for the nation. The gaming ordinance is posted on the Ho-Chunk website. It is posted under the 45-day public comment section, even though it is only up for 25 days, which is weird. Um, the United States and the Ho-Chunk Nation are both working through a period of time when recruiting and retaining workers is extremely difficult. The gaming ordinance would require every employee under the casino roof to have a gaming license. This makes sense. Why? Our entry-level workers are making thirteen seventy an hour. What is the dividend for all of our employees to be licensed? Possibly the privilege of paying an, an annual uh, licensing fee of $50 for the opportunity to work for our casino? In a recent article of Wisconsin Watch, <coughs> it was Harold... <coughs> <laughs> In a recent article of Wisconsin Watch, it was heralded that indigenous casinos are the biggest employers in impoverished counties in the United States. This is particularly true in rural areas where native nation governments, tribal businesses, and native nation citizens represent a larger proportion of the local governance, infrastructure, economy, and population than in urban areas, and thus generate a larger share of local jobs, spending, and tax dollars. To make it more difficult to hire and retain workers in our revenue-generating operations, a.k.a. casinos, seems rather to fly in the face of this assessment. Then when you realize that our flagship casino is in Madison, the state capital, home to one of the largest universities in the region, home to our state government, plus a hospital complex, second none, and dozens of large corporations, this ordinance does not help our casinos or the Ho-Chunk Nation or the individuals working for us. This is the environment we have to recruit in. In a written statement to the U.S. House Commit Select Committee on Economic Disparity and Fairness and Growth, 
held on April 7th in 2022, Vice President Karina Thundercloud wrote a statement containing the following passages. The nation seeks to encourage business development that benefits our tribal members and local residents. To retain employees, employers must provide a stable and attractive work environment. How does the nation's casinos accomplish development that benefits tribal members and local residents and retain employees in a stable and attractive work environment when our legislature, the Gaming Commission, attempt to enact the draconian ordinance that would make the Gaming Commission judge, jury, and executioner of all real and imagined transgressions? Perhaps a more measured approach would be to begin by scrapping the proposed ordinance, then compiling all the complaints that force this action on the legislature and the Gaming Commission's part. Invite all the casino executive directors into a meeting with the Gaming Commissioners and ask their professional input. It it is the casino executive directors who have to work with all of these ordinances and all the employees that they would fall under now. And I'm sure they will have some thoughts on the existing ordinance along with the changes proposed. At this moment in time, all I'm hearing is that our casinos are doing quite well and we are making record profits. Our gaming commission and legislature want to throw a monkey wrench into this finely honed gears of casino operations. Why? Ask your legislators why they are attempting to fix something that isn't broke. Greetings, everyone. I'm happy to introduce my guest today, Ann Thundercloud, proprietor of Thundercloud Communications. And how are you doing today, Ann? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm fantastic. Um, It's really great to have you here today. Um, I just kind of, you've been really exceptionally busy as of late. And one uh, project you're working on presently that I'm really interested in is this um, roundtable you're organizing in conjunction with Wisconsin Watch. Um, I don't want to bury the lead, so if you could kind of explain what you're uh, doing and uh, what are your goals for this? Oh, okay, sure. Um, okay, so hopefully everybody who's listening happened to read the story by Wisconsin Watch, and the reporter was Mario Coran, and he did a story about Ho-Chunk Nation and their economic diversification efforts. And so he interviewed quite a, uh, an array of people within the nation, people that are employed, people that are no longer employed, uh, leadership and, uh, you know, tribal, tribal members getting their feedback on the nation's uh, diversification efforts or lack thereof. And so it turned into a pretty lengthy story. And um, I thought it was pretty fascinating. And it was quite challenging getting uh, the people together to interview him. And that kind of leads up to this uh, this panel that we're having. And it's going to take place on May 12th at 5 p.m. to 6.30 p.m. And it's going to be at the District 1 Community Center. And um, so the first part of the panel will be talking about um, sort of building uh, trust and uh, relationship between uh, Wisconsin Watch, like independent news media, and then also with uh, tribal membership. Sort of how can we get them to uh, understand us better? 
and how can they build trust with us so that we feel comfortable with them in, you know, discussing um, our views, our issues, and, you know, basically getting our stories out there. Because having worked with them, I discovered that, you know, they're really, um, they're really sincere in wanting to get our story right so that it's told by citizens rather than an outside um, news um, <clears throat> outlet trying to tell our story for us. So that's the first half of the um, the event. And that will feature Mario, the reporter, myself, and we've extended an invitation to President Marlon White Eagle. But um, as far as I understand that he's very busy, and the, the only option that he has is appearing um, electronically. So we're trying to figure that out, whether um, the president's going to participate or not. They're a little bit concerned about, you know, spotty uh, service, whether uh, <clears throat> he's going to, like, cut in, or, cut in or out. So I guess that's, that's still up in the air as far as the president's participation. And then the second half of the panel is going to feature uh, Bettina Warner. And she is evidently the newly um, hired person for economic development within the nation. So that's a new position and a new project that's going on. So we're going to learn a little bit more about that. And then also Dan Brown, as an individual tribal member, <clears throat> excuse me, who um, appeared in, in the story, in Mario's story. And uh, he had quite a few uh, things to say about the the nation's uh, past efforts, where we are now, where we'd like to see um, our nation go. And then we've also extended an invitation to uh, Representative Christine White Eagle. And I am actually still waiting to hear back from her whether she's going to be able to shift her schedule around to participate with us. Now, the other interesting thing is that we have um, gotten Karen Lincoln Michelle from, uh, she's the president of um, Indige Public Media and Indian Country Today. So that's another um, heavy hitter that we have coming because I wanted to have her on there because I feel as though she would bring more credibility to um, the event. And then also she's from Indian Country Today, who is also, you know, the big leader behind um, this story in, in involving Wisconsin Watch. And um, so, so she'll serve as the moderator. So she comes in with the Ho-Chunk expertise as well as the um, journalism expertise. So I think she's a great addition to this whole event. So I'm really looking forward to it, and I'm really trying to get um, as many people as possible to attend because we really want to hear back from our people. So have you heard anything so far about people um, wanting to attend, or, is, or are you just uh, beginning to get the word out on this? We're just beginning to get the word out on it because we had to like lock in the date and the location. And like I said, it's uh, it's difficult what with the president's um, schedule, but um, the event will happen regardless if we have his participation or not. Also, you've invited um, boy, I can't remember his name now from Wisconsin Watch. Besides Mario, um, can you help me, Rick? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, will he yeah. be? He, you'll be attending. There, I think on um, the last time that I talked to Jim, there's going to be like perhaps four people from Wisconsin Watch. And so there'll be a uh, very, oh, there's also going to be Q&A. So we're going to try to make it available like little sign-in sheets and then also sheets where people can, <clears throat> or the ability to text um, Jim with the questions just in case people aren't comfortable with, you know, standing up and asking the question themselves. So as to give people a little bit more privacy and 
So we're trying to create different avenues for people to communicate with us. So um, you're going to have four representatives from Wisconsin Watch, and they're going to be down here. Um, could, do you know um, who's all going to be involved? Um, no, actually, I don't. I just know for sure that it'll be Jim and Mario, and I think maybe people from their business side, you know, for um, just ease of having the um, event run more smoothly. Okay. Um, one of the things that uh, you're discussing or trying to bring up is uh, economic developments. Um, that was noted in the um, article, but we really didn't get into it much with uh, the Ho-Chunk Nation side. Um, behind the scenes, there was a lot of interviews. Did people discuss that quite a bit? Which people? Um, some of the people that were interviewed. Um, man, I don't even have my notes in front of me. I, I'm sorry. Um Oh, that's fine. Dan Brown. So I, I can, yeah, Dan Brown. John Warner. Also, John Warner um, appeared on your podcast. Right. And that was great, by the way. I really enjoyed that. Well, we also, but I mean, you, you interviewed quite a few other people. Um, not you, but Mario and Wisconsin Watch themselves. Did, were you involved in any of that? No, actually, I was the one that was working in between Wisconsin Watch and also um, the nation. So let me tell you how that worked. They approached me in December, and then January, we really started talking. They kind of gave me the idea of what they were looking for and how they wanted to shape the story. And, the, and so after I took on the project, I worked with Mario, and I asked him, well, who is it exactly, you know, what are these voices that you're looking for to help shape the story? And he said, well, I'm interested in perhaps um, an employee, some, you know, how did the pandemic affect uh, work within the nation? And so I kind of reached out to different tribal members that I knew who were hopefully able to uh, speak to those things with Mario. So there was Brent White Eagle. Um, he formerly worked at uh, Ho-Chunk Gaming Madison, and then also Nelson Smith, who formerly worked with the um, DNR department. And from what I understand, his position was cut <clears throat> during the uh, beginning of the pandemic. And so he's still been in search of work ever since then. And then there was also Dan Brown, and he appeared as an individual tribal member because we also ran into the problem where when you want to speak with uh, tribal members or uh, employees of the nation, they have to a process that they have to go through the president's office and specifically the public relations officer. So we have to get permission from the public relations officer in order to speak with any of the people that are employed by the nation. So we kind of ran into a little bit of a problem there. And there also seemed to be a little bit of hesitancy from people. So I had to kind of like um, tell people and kind of coax them and ease them into the situation and, and having them understand the importance of them um, speaking their, you know, from, you know, their, their own hearts and, um, speaking to these issues that are, you know, really important to the nation. And so now I'm thinking that, you know, there's other voices out there that need to be heard or other thoughts. And that's what this event is about, was to try to bring about a, a broader conversation about this issue with the nation, because I think everybody has an opinion. However, maybe not everybody voices them. I sure as heck see them a lot on uh, social media. People are pretty outspoken on their thoughts about the nation. What um, what is the cause of? Is it just the government on the apathy or the reticence of people to uh, voice their opinions and their thoughts? Because I, 
I mean, we rely on the, the legislature to kind of, you know, solve all our problems when it would seem to me that if we used everybody's thoughts and their ideas, it would work a lot better. So how do we engage people? Well, that's what um, I'm basically trying to do with the story. Um, I don't know if you read the, uh, the, the sidebar to the story. There was a Q&A that Mario and I had because um, apparently the people within Wisconsin Watch and Indie Country Today were fascinated by the work that we were able to accomplish. So they wanted to see how he and I worked together to sort of, uh, you know, build the story. And so we talked about it. And one of the things was that he asked me was, uh, what you know, what are some of the reasons why people might be hesitant to work um, with the media? And I told him straight up that it's a trust issue. You know, we've been burned in the past. We've been um, disparaged um, in the media. We've been talked about but not asked. And I actually had this experience having worked in uh, public relations for the nation as their public relations officer. There were times where um, I saw stories that appeared about us, but they didn't knock on our door and ask us. And so I'd have to, you know, speak up for the nation and say, hey, you know, what's what's going on here? Why did you write about us but not ask us? And so, there, you know, there were, you know, different issues there. But then on the other side, there's also times where people or uh, journalists were genuinely interested and wanted to learn more about us and learn a little bit more about the do's and don'ts and the um, the, the ways in communicating with us that are, are appropriate. Because you have to admit, we have a different way of communicating. There are do's and don'ts. There are procedures also um, as far as, you know, our government. But then there's also traditional ways. And a lot of mainstream people... Uh, don't understand that. So that's part of the reason why I do the work that I do is to help uh, bridge that gap and build um, understanding um, and trust. What is, um, I guess one of the things I want to know is what is your biggest takeaway that you hope the people, when they read the article and all the subsequent um, publications, what is the biggest thing you hope that they take away from all this? The readers, not just the Wongshik's in particular, but, um, you know, white people in general, if they look at that material. Is it just that we have a different way of communicating or that we're just, we're not reaching out to that level? You know what? I guess I've never really thought about um, non-Native readers. I had the whole chunk people and uh, Natives in mind. <laughs> so you're asking me a question I haven't even thought about. So that's interesting. I guess I would hope that they would um, um, understand more about um, our government and how we how we work. Yeah, it was just interesting because, because you brought that up about how you know the media doesn't quite understand how we you know how we um, communicate. So I'm just wondering what. What do white people in general, how do they, how would they take this and learn to work with us on that? Well, I would hope that they have a, you know, if they read the second story, that's where we're more into what you're talking about now. Right. Because the story about economic development didn't really cover that, but we got more in depth when Mario and I did the Q&A. 
and I talked about, you know, how how we're different, and and it's just, you know, it basically comes down to trust. You know, can we can we trust them? Are they going to burn us? Or, you know, how much do they want to know about us? Why do they want to know about us? And then also, I told them about, <clears throat> I feel as though um, we can be judged, and we can also be targeted because of the amount of money that we make, because we're no longer in poverty, and gaming has helped us um, build our, our um, finances substantially in comparison to where we came from. And so people view us differently. Now, if you live in, you know, your your Black River Falls, your Wisconsin Dells, Baraboo area, and there's a large population of, of Ho-Chunks, you can definitely see um, how we're, we're looked at differently by non-Natives. Communication, trust. Okay. Um, one of the things that we're, you're doing um, with Thundercloud Communications is trying to get word out about um, Ho-Chunks and Wong-Chunks. And I'm wondering, have you thought about going out to different um, publications, uh, podcasts like Native Calling or um, Robert Pilot's Native, uh, Native Roots Radio Network? Has anybody reached out to you there or have you reached out to them and try to um, propagate your message, so to speak? Well, actually, um, Robert Pilot and I talked um, last year sometime, but we just kind of touched base, and actually that was my first time meeting him. And so he said, yeah, we should have you on your show sometime, but I didn't really take him up on that offer yet. I'm kind of juggling a couple different things right now, so things are a little bit hectic, but I'm always willing to keep, you know, putting out my message because I feel like <clears throat> I took this job or this assignment with um, – Wisconsin Watch because it really aligns with what I aim to do with my business and using <clears throat> my skills to help build relationships between um, <clears throat> natives and and your mainstream media or media in general. And the thing is, is that I've seen so many um, nations, individuals, natives that have um, really missed opportunities because they didn't take that time to uh, to speak with the media and tell their story. And then later on, it it may look bad or um, it could have been better <clears throat> had they had the, the knowledge in how to tell their own story and getting over the fears of speaking with them. And that's something that I know how to do. And I get the most enjoyment out of it. And I also get the most enjoyment out of having my people's voices heard because you have to admit that we are a very underrepresented um, group within mainstream media. Do you think we really need to do a lot more work on getting our voices out there? I mean, like, how do you balance your work with uh, Thundercloud Communications and then your um, work for the nation? Does that does that coincide, or is that are you bumping heads, or does that all work together in one big puzzle? It's one big puzzle, man. <laughs> because I have not worked for the nation for ten years, and I found that I'm able to do so much more on the outside because I'm not pigeonholed by their um, leadership or. Um, you know, being under the supervision of somebody, this way I'm free to choose and do as I please in what I feel is best and just going with my gut reaction, and it served me very well. 
And I'm able to do a lot more from the outside rather than working with the nation because I'm going to tell you straight up, it was not easy working with the nation and getting people to respond. We, we had reached out to quite a few people that didn't follow up, that didn't um, uh, take advantage of speaking with Mario um, on it. And I don't, I don't know why, but believe me, I did try to prompt them and encourage them to take advantage of the opportunity. So there's a lot of voices that were, that were missing from the story. And now I'm hoping that after the story has dropped and it's had time to sort of um, um, sink in with people, that conversations are happening and that they'll bring them to the table on May 12th so that we can hear more voices and more ideas. And it's also a chance for um, individual tribal members to speak to um, Hojunk Nation officials. Are you so going to, I think it's a great opportunity. Are you going to continue working with Wisconsin Watch and um, Indian Country today in the future? Um, I hope so. I think <laughs> that we've established, um, you know, a really good report. And we were able to produce, you know, some pretty good work. And I enjoyed working with Jim and Mario and then also Ilana, who is of Ho-Chunk descent. She is the um, she's the photojournalist who took the photos along uh, with the story. And so um, back in February, I invited uh, Mario to come to Black River Falls and Tomo because I felt that if you're um, a reporter um, reporting on Ho Chunk Nation, I think that you should come into our community and um, get a firsthand experience and feel rather than working from uh, you know your home. Um, place remotely and not really experiencing what we're about. So I took him on a tour of Black River Falls, sh- showed the you know various um, sites. We also went to the court building. We went to the tribal office building. We happened upon um, President Marlon White Eagle, who took the time to speak with Mario at that time and ran into various people. So um, just to have a better understanding. And that's, you know, one of the things that we need to do is sort of, you know, coax them into coming in to visit us. And one of the things that we were talking about, and I've, and I've said this before, is like, let's say that you're a business person and that you're wanting to do business in Japan. Well, what are you going to do? You're going to learn what their customs are. You're going to learn what's appropriate. You're going to learn how to say um, hello and thank you and please and things of that nature. And so, like, if people are doing business with us or wanting to build relationships with us, then why don't they take the time to research us and learn our customs and our norms and things that are appropriate and things that are not appropriate. And so that's one of the things that I always do when I bring uh, non-natives into our communities is sort of say, this is what we're about. This is how you approach somebody. This is how you um, speak to them. And, you know, you might, you know, expect this, blah, blah, blah. So there's a a little bit of a um, a cultural Yeah, I guess you could say. An outreach. Yeah, and those are the things that we need to uh, get over and um, work through because we're not going to change because this is who we are. You know? If you had had the chance, how would you help the nation try to develop a more of an outgoing, um, you know, so people could talk, people could share their ideas. How do we 
work with that? I mean, I understand you were, I asked that question before, I guess in a different way. And you were, your answer was that we have in this um, round table, this um, panel discussion, but in terms okay. of media, how do we do it? Okay. Can you ask that again? I'm sorry. No, it's just that, um, it seems like, you know, one of the things that you were saying is that we have a failure not a failure, I guess, um, we're reticent about speaking publicly, about sharing our ideas, um, culturally, um, apathetic, what, whatever it is. But how do we get people to come forth with their ideas, to share ideas publicly on, you know, media? I mean, you're in a communications business, so I figure you might have ideas. <laughs> Training. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, we... actually, that's what, another one of my favorite things to do and that I've done in the past is media training for um, elected officials. Uh, put them on the camera, put them on the spot, um, teach them ways of uh, better communicating because, honestly, I think you know that public speaking is the biggest fear that people have worldwide. And um, that's something that people, you know, if they choose to, have that ability because honestly I used to be afraid of speaking publicly and then also being on camera and then hello now I'm in public relations boy I had to get over that fear I still don't like being in front of a camera but <laughs> it kind of comes with the territory and so I've been able to sort of hone my skills and sort of uh, get better at it because it's what I wanted to do because I have a drive to do what I do and so that may not work for everybody else but I do provide uh, media training on how um, people can get better at it. And then the other thing is that um, a lot of people, like let's say that you are mm, working in DNR and you're an expert in forestry. Well, maybe you know that skill really, really well, but maybe you don't know how to communicate it. So that's where, like, I would come in and say, okay, let me learn more about what it is that you do and how can we tell your story. And then teach the people how to tell that story. And then another thing, and I think we're on this very same subject, was in that sidebar story between <clears throat> Wisconsin Watch and myself, um, we talked about um, how we are just traditionally, that we are not supposed to... Um, assert ourselves as experts because that's not that's not the whole chunk way you know, we're supposed to be humble we're supposed to practice humility we're not supposed to brag about our kids or ourselves or our skills because that's you know that's just not cool <laughs> absolutely but now we get into this mainstream Micah day business world and we have to do that we have to be able to know how to toot our own horns to get that job, to get the media to hear us, to get, you know, that contract, you know, whatever it is that we're shooting for. We have to overcome this way that we were taught and how we grew up. Or maybe we're just naturally that way in not wanting to speak about ourselves. But when we want to make things happen in the Micah Day world, then we have to be able to function the way that they do. No, that's... a. Uh... That's an excellent point, and I think it's something that uh, I've labored quite a bit on and, you know, dealt with. But I just want to kind of wrap this up real quick. Um, what, um, Where do you see yourself and the nation in five years? 
do you see your company being able to drag the nation forward? They will by force. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <clears throat> I would hope that they would see the progress that can occur through uh, what I do and, you know, hop, hop on board, you know, get with the program. We have to move forward. We can't um, sit and cower behind whatever, you know, and then the other thing is accountability. Our leadership needs to be accountable to our people. And unfortunately, I have an unreasonably high expectation of leadership. And uh, sad to say, it's very <laughs> rarely, rarely met. But um, I also want to believe that I do have good relationships with um, leadership and that I can bend their ear or I can convince them to... Um, you know, work together and being more transparent and being better about communicating exactly what's going on, but then also being better listeners and wanting to genuinely listen to us, hear our concerns, hear our ideas, implement them, and report back on them. It, it's not too much to ask. No. And finally, you want just want to uh, go back over um, Thursday, May 12th, Five to six thirty. Um, That's correct. Community District Center one. And yep. do you have a title for this event, or is this just a roundtable, a panel discussion? Yeah, it is neat. They haven't really come <laughs> up with the. Um, sorry, I'm just so used to speaking hotel. <laughs> 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 this is a hotel podcast, so. <laughs> Absolutely. For you non-natives, I said I don't know. <laughs> Nicely um, done. Yeah, they, they don't have a name for it yet. We're kind of kicking around a few ideas, but I think that also the name of it should, you know, really uh, generate uh, more interest. Other than that, I'm doing uh, word of mouth, and I'm going to reach out to individual people that I feel have something to say and uh, want to contribute to this conversation. And um, they'll, uh, we're inviting Ho-Chunk Wodak, and so there'll be a story about it afterwards. Excellent. And yeah, yeah. So we're trying to get the word out because really um, what I'm trying to do is, you know, continue to build that relationship between um, the Ho-Chunk people and the media because they can be very useful to us, you know, in getting our stories and our thoughts and concerns out. Because had this story not occurred, um, Shelby, would you and I even be having this conversation? No. See? Absolutely. Already, already it's creating change. And that's what I'm totally excited about. And this is, you know, this is what I do. You know, I, I want to build relationships. I want things to be better. I want people to be able to tell their own stories <clears throat> so that we don't have to sit behind closed doors and complain to each other. No, get out, make, uh, make your voice heard, create action, create change. It's not going to happen sitting at home doing no, nothing about it. I like that because there's other avenues besides the government to uh, afford change. Uh, oh. So just want to say thank you for your time. And uh, before I go, you have anything uh, you'd like to um, promote, kick around? Oh, you have yeah. the floor. Thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. 
<clears throat> May 12th, the, um, the event will be catered by Wild Berries. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice <laughs> that's, one. Yeah, that's my, that's my other gig is I'm, um, I've been promoted to Chef Apprentice with Chef Elena Terry. And uh, so is a tribal member, my sister Becky Green, and my brother Junior Green. Uh, we're all chef apprentices that um, are working underneath the supervision of Chef Elena Terry. Um, this will probably be the first gig that uh, Wild Bears is doing without the leadership of our chef. So I'm excited about that. So we're going to have some indigenous um, hors d'oeuvres, appetizers, that'll kind of fill your belly and keep you going <laughs> in between 5 and 6.30 and maybe we can wuduch afterwards. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's, I wanted to plug that too. Thanks for asking. All right. Thank you very much and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Well, here we are at the end of another spellbinding Chipotle podcast. I actually gave a uh, serious thought this past week about hanging up the old headphones and microphone and walking off into the sunset. I'd spent so much time speaking into this stupid microphone in my tiny office instead of talking to my relatives that I figured I wasn't being listened to and my voice was being swallowed up into the ethernet. Then I looked into the sunset and I didn't like what I saw. The job that I had set out to do wasn't completed. I had set out to help my nation, my Ho-Chunk nation, my family, if you will. I thought we deserved so much more as a family and as a people. And there was so much for us to offer each other and the Wongshik world at large. We have simply become too complacent, a little too comfortable. Our government got away from us and we kind of let it run amok. And now it's time for all of us to get it back under our control. So I figured, hey, nobody asked me to do this, so there really isn't any level of expectation that I have to meet except what I put on myself. So went to the garbage can and fished out my headphone and microphone. So to all my listeners in the Republic of the Congo, Indonesia, Romania, and El Salvador, to all my listeners in Arizona, California, Tennessee, and Black River Falls, I ain't gonna quit on you.